from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch coming up on this Thursday edition. They are shelling our cities and villages. They are killing our civilians and children. They are um, creating sieges of our cities and keeping and holding hostages of hundreds of thousands of people in these cities without water and food. That was Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky speaking earlier today to the Australian Parliament. We'll be joined a little later by Franklin Graham, president of Samaritan's Purse, who recently returned from Ukraine. He'll tell us what Samaritan's Purse volunteers are seeing and doing there on the ground in Ukraine. And problematic human rights language that could have been used against pro-life countries, which was attached to a measure focused on restricting trade with Russia, appears to have been resolved. We'll get the latest from Capitol Hill from New Jersey Congressman Chris Smith. Also, President Biden telling some more whoppers today as he announced this. Today, I'm authorized the release of one million barrels per day for the next six months, over 180 million barrels for the strategic from the from the strategic petroleum reserve. We'll talk about the newest Biden plan that will make you pay more with Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell. We'll also get the latest on Katanji Brown Jackson, President Biden's pick for the Supreme Court with the Republican leader. And when the sec- when the secretary ends Title 42, there will be a deluge at our southern border. This is known, which is evidenced by the fact that the secretary is already working with FEMA behind the scenes and quietly to deal with the emergency that is no doubt about to occur at our southern border. That was Texas Congressman Chip Roy warning of an impending explosion of the crisis at the southern border. Congressman Chip Roy joins us later here on Washington Watch. And finally, members of Congress are warning the NCAA that they are swimming in a dangerous cultural cross-current with their transgender charade. Illinois Congresswoman Mary Miller is here later on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you happen to miss anything, it's all archived right there, and it's a great way to introduce Washington Watch to your friends. Our verse for today, coming from our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan, is Numbers chapter 35, verse 34. Therefore, do not defile the land which you inhabit, in the midst of which I dwell. For I, the Lord, dwell among the children of Israel. The holiness of God will not allow him to dwell in a defiled land. You might ask, how is the land defiled? Well, we actually read right above that in verse 33 that it is defiled by the shedding of innocent blood. This, my friend, underscores why we need to be praying fervently that the U.S. Supreme Court issue the correct ruling in Dobbs, the Mississippi abortion case that should be released in the next few months. To join us in our two-year Bible reading plan, go to frc.org Bible. Also, I invite you to join me each morning, Monday through Friday, at 8.44 a.m. Eastern for a daily devotional based upon our Bible reading plan. You can find it at TonyPerkins.com or on my Facebook page. The House-passed bill to end normal trade relations with Russia appeared to see some movement yesterday after an agreement was reportedly reached over sanctions language that was included. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky had been holding up the bill because of new language that had been added to the bill that would target, quote, serious human rights abuse rather than the traditional language of gross violations of international recognized human rights. Now, that may sound better, but the latter term is defined in U.S. law. The former 
could be construed to mean almost anything the reader wants it to mean. Therefore, it can be abused by a far-left administration that promotes an ever-expanding list of what they consider to be human rights. Well, a fix has been proposed that would alleviate many of the concerns that FRC has raised with lawmakers. Joining me now to talk about this and more is U.S. Congressman Chris Smith, who is co-chair of the Tom Lantos Human Rights Commission, senior member of the House Committee on Foreign Affairs, and ranking member on the subcommittee on Africa, Global Health, Global Human Rights, and International Organizations. He represents the 4th Congressional District of New Jersey. Congressman Smith, welcome back to the program. Tony, thank you very much for having me on. Thank you for your tremendous advocacy that you played, a role that you played in trying to ensure uh, that the MFN, uh, the end of MFN for Russia and and, and uh, uh, Belarus does not have the unintended consequence of weakening the Global Magnitsky Act. I, I'm the prime author on the House side of that act. We had, as you know, gross violations of internationally recognized human rights, which has a very clear definition. And in comes language that we couldn't stop in the House, but they're stopping it, we believe, in the Senate called serious human rights abuse, whatever that means. We have no idea. So I hats off to Senator Wicker and, and, and Rand Paul, who put the hold on the bill, and others, uh, because now we define serious human rights abuse to be gross violations of internationally recognized human rights, and then have a prescriptive list of genocide, torture, trafficking, uh, extrajudicial killings, prolonged detentions and arbitrary, uh, just very, very clear and not ambiguous language. So uh, we're not absolutely there yet, but I want to thank you for the great work that you have done in helping to clarify this. And then there's a further limitation language. It says a foreign person shall not be subject to sanction under the section because of speech, advocacy, associations, or belief that will be lawful if conducted within the United States. So, uh, it, you know, it's a, you know, a tip of the hat in a very positive way. Uh, to our First Amendment. We don't want people who disagree with the Biden administration finding that they are sanctioned, can't come here, can't get a visa because they happen to be pro-life, for example, uh, and um, and also told they can't do business, uh, you know, economically here. So it's uh, so far, it looks like we're going to prevail, you know, fingers across that there be no last minute glitch. You know, Congressman, in this day and age when people just want to take words and make them mean all kinds of things, it's very important that we have clear, concise definitions of these terms. And this is a term, as you pointed out, you helped pass this legislation originally, the Magnitsky Act, and it has clear terms and it's been used successfully. Exactly. And there was an attempt when we were doing it a few years ago to weaken the language, to have a definition that was very porous. Uh, and, and flexible. We don't want flexibility. We want clear, precise terms about what human rights entails, because that word gets it's, it's become like uh, elastic by some people. Everything's human right. No, it's not. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, Tony, I'm going to have to run. I, I hate to do this to you, but there's a vote on the floor and it's past zero. You know, it's been up there. Congressman, you're there to vote. We appreciate you joining us. Go and, uh, and, and do your duty representing your constituents. And thank, thank you, you Tony, so much. Thank for- you. Absolutely. Congressman Chris Smith of, uh, of New Jersey. Th- this is uh, an important thing that we've been working on in both the House and the Senate. The language, you know, we live in an age when words are twisted and made to mean all kinds of things. But in this particular case, our concern was when you look at the, the language, as I mentioned, they were 
changing this definition to being serious violations. Well, there's no definition in U.S. law what that actually means. And so I, I don't think this was accidental, okay? Let me, let me just say, I don't think this was a slip. They were trying to make it better. I think what, um, what they were doing was, as Congressman Smith mentioned, making it more elastic to encompass more. It, and here's my point. Uh, and I mentioned this earlier uh, in the week that the WHO, the World Health Organization, had, had uh, earlier this month released new guidelines, 210 pages, actually, of guidelines, dealing with abortion, uh, arguing or basically demanding that countries legalize abortion without any gestational time limits, meaning that um, any, and, and they went on to say this, the WHO document recommends full decriminalization of abortion and the scrapping of laws and regulations that prohibit abortion uh, based on gestational limits and restrict abortion on any grounds. And they held this, that it is incompatible with international human rights law. So that's, that's the doorway. That's where then you could have an administration that could say, well, this country is restricting abortion. They're violating human rights. That would trigger their ability to use these sanctions against them. That was our concern. Joining me now to talk more about this is uh, the vice president of FRC's Policy and Government Affairs, Travis Weber. Travis, uh, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. All right. So uh, with these efforts that are taking place in the Senate, how close are we to a resolution? I think we're pretty close. You know, uh, Congressman Smith accurately described the problem and the hopeful solution they're working towards in order to protect the integrity of the international human rights uh, system and international human rights law. Uh, I, I think this issue is dealt with. You know, it's possible other members and senators might have concerns about these bills that uh, would, would prompt other discussions and considerations uh, that need to be worked out before the final vote in the Senate. But, uh, you know, this, I think, looks promising. Uh, you know, and again, Tony, you were, you were mentioning the WHO's reference to abortion and international human rights law. You know, so many want to look at international human rights law and claim that it means whatever they want it to claim. Uh, the reality is often uh, you know, very different from how it's portrayed. And international law is, you know, is, is based on fixed agreements in international law, like treaties and customary international law, long-standing uh, um, framework for how you look at whether something's fixed historically. These are these are procedures and mechanisms and, and ways of looking at the law that have been around a long time. So we're looking to preserve that, preserve the ability of this international system to operate. And that's really at the heart of what we're looking at here with the Magnitsky Act language and what Congressman Smith was talking about. And, uh, you know, kudos to Senator Rand Paul of, of Kentucky, who using the leverage that senators have, individual senators, he held this up from being moved forward under unanimous consent until these issues were worked out. And absolutely. Uh, he, he shares the concern that we have about this, which is simply, if you don't define it, uh, it can mean what uh, the one interpreting the statute can mean. We're talking about putting this in federal statute. It's going to guide the implementation uh, by the executive branch um, and, and the various agencies, which uh, allows for more leeway and most concerningly allows for those who want to inject their policy preferences into international law instead of actually protecting what is in fixed, set, hard international law, you know, which are those categories that um, Congressman Smith ticked through in terms of uh, uh, 
of, inter of, of international human rights violations. So I think Senator Paul clearly shares those concerns. We're glad he raised them, and uh, more members on the Hill should do likewise. One final point on this, uh, Travis Weber. You know, the Democratic, some of the Democratic senators were kind of dismissive of Rand Paul's concerns about this. But given the track record of this administration just in 14 months, how they have advanced a very radical social agenda, both here at home and abroad, this is not a stretch at all in how they might use these sanctions. No, it's not. You know, when you have the WHO referring to abortion as an international human right, which it's not, we could be facing a world in which um, foreign persons are sanctioned by the United States inappropriately because of political interest interfering with the international human rights framework. And so it's not a far-fetched concern. We're simply saying stick with what is in current international human rights law and fixed law with the Megatsky Act, and, and let's just stay with that. Uh, Travis Weber, uh, great job to you and your team for uh, working with uh, the various uh, offices on the Hill to find a fix for uh, this language. Uh, good to talk to you today. Thank you, Tony. And, uh, and folks, you know, this is a very important tool, the McNinsky Act. We used it uh, at the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, the previous administration. We encouraged them to use it. They used it uh, successfully to uh, target some of those who were involved in religious freedom violations. It's a good tool, just needs to be used right. Coming up, the White House has announced plans for the largest ever release of oil from the United States Strategic Reserves. We'll get Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell's take on this and more next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, it is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications, Sign up at frc.org slash subscriptions. 
At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Earlier today, the White House announced plans for the largest ever release of oil from the United States Strategic Reserves, more than 180 million barrels over the next six months. And sticking to the left strategy of blaming Vladimir Putin for the price hikes at the pump that we've been witnessing, President Biden tried to convince the American public that his administration is the solution for the problem rather than the cause. My plan's going to help ease that pain today and safeguard again against tomorrow. I'm open to ideas to strengthen the plan, but I'll not be put off and put it on hold. It's time to deliver true long-term energy independence in America once and for all. And I'm going to continue to use every tool at my disposal to protect you from Putin's price hike. Is it Putin's price hike we need protection from or a myopic administration that is throwing America's future to the wind? Joining me now to talk about this and more is Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell. Leader McConnell, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony. Glad to be with you. So first, let me get your thoughts on the latest plans coming out of the White House as it pertains to gasoline prices. I don't think they're going to convince anybody that Putin is the reason for high gas prices. Uh, that started at the beginning of the year and has escalated over the course of the year. And, of course, tapping into the Strategic Petroleum Reserve will have about as much impact as dropping a pebble in the ocean. But what the president really needs to do is to change directions uh, in favor of d- d- domestic fossil fuel production. And in 2019, we were independent. We were energy independent. We were actually exporting oil and gas. Uh, this president came in. He shut down. Uh, no, no, no new leases on public lands. Uh, canceled the Keystone uh, pipeline. Uh, they're doing everything through their administrators in this administration to make it very difficult. Uh, for us to produce domestically, while ironically, at the same time, encouraging regimes like um, Venezuela to increase uh, production. What we need is a realistic U.S. fossil fuel uh, production uh, plan, which we had in the previous administration, and this administration is canceled. Uh, Leader McConnell, given the volatility that we see in the world today, the the war in Ukraine, 
Uh, we see North Korea making moves. We have this China, no telling what they might do. The Strategic Petroleum Reserve has a national security element to it. Is there not concern that this could be depleted uh, and then we find ourselves even in a greater, uh, really vulnerable position? Yeah, this is not the kind of thing that the Strategic Petroleum Reserve uh, was intended to be used for. Uh, another thing you'd be interested in, Tony, a couple of years ago when oil prices were really low, we tried to purchase a lot of oil and gas uh, to uh, beef up the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, and the Democrats in Congress uh, blocked it and claimed it was some kind of bailout for big oil. <laughs> so their playbook is tap the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, uh, have oil and gas CEOs come up before Congress and beat them up, uh, blame everybody but themselves. But uh, this administration wants every other country in the world to produce more oil and gas, uh, but not us. They want us to be uh, green. And that is an unrealistic uh, approach that simply will not meet the needs of America or uh, you know, we could be, once again, like we were in 2019, not only taking care of our own energy needs, but exporting Exactly, as well. exactly, and not be in this vulnerable situation we're in. Let me, uh, switching gears, uh, you announced early on your intention not to vote after the uh, the hearing had completed with Ketanji Brown-Jackson. You listed uh, three reasons that you cannot support her. What are those three reasons? Well, first, um, I thought she ought to echo uh, Justice Ginsburg and Justice Breyer in opposing court packing. That's not asking her to take a position on anything that would come before, but rather a way to defend the institution of the court itself. And I always admired the fact that uh, two very liberal Supreme Court justices, Breyer and Ginsburg, defended uh, the institution. She wouldn't do that. Secondly, she had a record uh, demonstrably soft on crime in general, and in particular, of all things, uh, child pornography cases. In 100% of her decisions in child pornography cases on sentencing, they were below the sentencing guidelines. In other words, in every single case, with no exceptions, sentences doled out to these purveyors of this awful material received a lighter sentence than the lower end of the sentencing guidelines. Uh, I found that perplexing and very, very difficult to, um, to explain. Especially when we're talking about children. Uh, as the victims in many of these yeah. uh, I mean, it's, cases. I mean, it's crime, and um, the recidivism rate is quite high, and the, the, the best way to make sure that doesn't happen is to have them off the streets. Right. Based upon your what you witnessed in the hearing, would you say her judicial philosophy puts her in the category of an activist judge? Yeah, I, I think this is uh, – she's certainly intelligent, well-qualified. She's going to be a, 
a judicial activist, and that's the kind of nomination you would expect from Joe Biden, and that's the kind of nomination we got. Uh, final question. We're up against the clock, but any chance that she does not find confirmation in the Senate? No, I don't think so. All the Democrats are lined up, and at least one Republican is going to support her within a 50-50 Senate. I think she will be confirmed. The good news, Tony, is it's six to three. Yeah. And you may recall I had a major role to play. You certainly did. Putting not one, three new Supreme Court justices in place during the previous administration. Uh, look, very uh, quickly, that 50... ...during the 2016 election. So the good news is... It doesn't change much. That's true. It doesn't. Very quickly, the 50-50 split, does that change in November? Sure hope so. The environment for the election is from a Republican point of view. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Yesterday, the United Nations Refugee Agency reported that more than 4 million people have fled Ukraine since Russia launched its invasion on February the 24th. That number exceeds the worst-case predictions made at the start of the war. Joining me now to talk about what he and his team have been seeing and doing on the ground there in Eastern Europe is Samaritan's Purse President Franklin Graham, who was in Ukraine this past weekend. Franklin, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. It's uh, good to be with you. Well, as uh, as always, Samaritan's Purse there on the ground where needed. Uh, first, give us a sense of what you saw there on the ground. Uh, well, Tony, the, the flood of refugees uh, that was coming out of the country 
uh, has now slowed down to a trickle. Uh, as you've mentioned, about 4 million have already left. Uh, there are now some refugees returning, uh, and I think this is because the Russians uh, at the very beginning of the war uh, looked like they were going to take the whole country in just a matter of weeks. Well, that hasn't happened. And so there are a lot of people just uh, are staying put, waiting to see what happens. So uh, the, the people that are on the move are not like what we saw earlier. However, you, the country uh, still has probably somewhere around two to three million displaced people inside the country. Uh, they have lost their homes, they've lost their homes, but instead of going to Poland or Slovenia, they're still inside the Ukraine. Uh, we've set up um, a hospital in Lviv. We have uh, two clinics in Lviv, one at the train station, one down at uh, uh, a bus station. And then we are setting up now a second hospital, and this hospital is closer to the fighting. It's uh, it's about a four-hour drive to the east uh, near, um, uh, I don't want to say which border, but it's uh, closer, much, much closer to the fighting. And we believe that uh, we'll have a lot more trauma cases there a lot more war injuries. And we have, uh, of course, orthopedic surgeons, general surgeons, uh, who are prepared to do whatever uh, comes before them. Uh, we're doing food distribution, Tony. We've uh, distributed about uh, 90,000 metric tons of food. Uh, this is food that we've been able to buy or was given to us. Um, and no government uh, agencies are involved in it. It's just private donations. And we're very thankful for it. Uh, right now, Tony, there's a lot of uh, the U.N. agencies are just not there. And I don't know if they want, are afraid of offending Russia or whatever the case may be, but uh, you just don't see many organizations in the country. Uh, the need is great, and I wish more people would be willing to come. But right now, um, it's just uh, it is what it is. Uh, we want to help as many people as we can. Of course, I want to do it in the name of Jesus right. Christ, Tony. I want people to know that God loves them. That's so important that people know that God has not left Ukraine. Uh, God is there, and all that one has to do is call on him and uh, call on the name of his son, and God will hear, I believe, from heaven. And uh, so important that uh, we, we're, it's important that we're there in Jesus' name. Right, and, and Samaritan's Purse is a part of that prayer being answered by the people there in Ukraine crying out to God for help. But I find this um, troubling, I think, Franklin, this is Europe's largest refugee crisis since World War II and perhaps one of the largest humanitarian crises of our time. These things should be beyond politics. Uh, UN should not be worried about offending Russia when you have such a great need there on the ground. Well, you would think so, but these UN agencies are huge uh, and they're, they're very political. And uh, it's, they, they, they march to a different drummer. So... Uh, if you take like the World Food Program, we have a great guy, uh, Governor Beasley, former governor of South Carolina, who's in charge of the World Food Program. But uh, he can he can give directions and he can give orders, but um, the bureaucrats uh, down underneath him, uh, uh, they throw a monkey wrench into it, and and things just don't happen. Well, and that's why it's so it's so great to have organizations like Samaritan's Purse. And you're connected with uh, over 3,000 churches there on the ground that you've been working with for uh, yeah. since back in the 90s. I, I, we've been getting updates from George Thomas and, and others on the ground there in Ukraine. What's your sense of how the church is doing and how they're responding to this crisis? 
I think the church is doing incredible. Uh, Tony, we've made uh, $16 million available to the churches. Uh, this is direct cash gifts that we're, uh, that we're giving to the churches uh, so that they have a little war chest to work with. Uh, people come to the church, the local churches for food. They come for uh, clothing. Uh, and, and, and that's what the church should do. And so we're, we're helping these pastors uh, financially so they can go out on the market and buy additional things that they might mm-hmm. need. And we're working very closely with the Baptist and Pentecostal churches inside the Ukraine. And it's, um, it's, it's going to be a long process, right. Tony. But we're just we're just going to stay with it. Uh, Franklin, we only got 30 seconds left, but you've written to the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, the Ukrainian president, uh, Zelensky, asking for a ceasefire on Holy Week. That's correct. That's starting now on Good Friday and then going through the next week, which is the 24th, which is the Orthodox uh, uh, Easter. They're on the Gregorian calendar. And if I, I just feel that they can stop for 10 days, then they can stop for... They can stop for a month. If they can stop for a month, maybe they can stop uh, for good. You got to start somewhere, Tony. Right. And so I've, uh, we had channels where we could get a letter to President Putin, and we we sent that letter. I, I don't expect to hear back from him, but uh, who knows? Maybe we'll see a ceasefire this Easter. Well, we'll be praying, and we'll challenge the church here in the United States and around the world, viewers and listeners here to uh, to pray to that end. Franklin Graham, always great to be with you, and we're going to encourage people that can uh, partner with you to do so and helps the work that uh, Samaritan's Purse is doing there on the ground. Thank you, Tony. And folks, I do want to encourage you to do that. Go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. I, I tell you, I've worked with Samaritan's Purse side to side. There is not an organization that I have more confidence in than Samaritan's Purse. So uh, help them, pray for them, be a part of what they're doing. Coming up next, more from Capitol Hill. The situation on our southern border is about to get even worse. Congress is moving to hold the NCAA accountable. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. 
to access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students. Are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. In fact, uh, if you happen to be outside of the range of a radio station, you can watch the program right there at TonyPerkins.com. In fact, share that with your friends that you want to invite to be a part of the Washington Watch family. Okay, coming up, uh, Chip Roy, Congressman of Texas, is going to be joining us, as well as Mary Miller of Illinois, Congresswoman. Uh, but they've called votes. As you heard earlier, if you were listening with Chris Smith, they called votes. They were running down to the House floor. So if we get them, they're going to be stepping off the House floor by phone. Uh, but that's, that is one of the challenges of a live program here in Washington, D.C. Always a lot happening. Well, uh, what we're going to talk about with uh, Congressman Chip Roy is yesterday the House Freedom Caucus issued a Dear Colleague letter calling on House Democrats to back a discharge petition that would force a vote on legislation to keep Title 42 border protections in place for the near future. Now, I've talked about this previously on the program. We had Senator uh, James Lankford on just a couple of days ago talking about this. Title 42 public health order was implemented by President Trump, by the Trump administration in March of 2020, and allows for the rapid expulsion of migrants that are trying to come across the southern border because of a health crisis, the covid simply turning them around. Well, the Biden administration kept part of it in place, turning around single individuals, but allowing families to enter. The result has been about half of those illegally coming across the border have been turned back. The other half have been let in with a slip of paper saying show up to court in six years. Well, if the Department of Homeland Security does what is expected, and that is to move forward with lifting Title 42 restrictions, which could come as early as this week, we could see an absolute explosion of the crisis on this border. In fact, some are estimating that within a six-week period, we could see as many as a million illegal immigrants cross the border. And Congressman Chip Roy has been championing this in the House. He's a member of the House Freedom Caucus uh, do we have uh, Congressman Roy? I'm sorry. Do we have him? Okay. So we don't have him yet. He's still uh, he's still on the House floor. This is obviously a major concern given the the fact that we've already had record numbers of 
individuals crossing the southern border illegally. This could uh, overwhelm the system. And as we were talking about with, Cong- with uh, Senator Langford earlier in the week, we, what, what they're doing is they're, they're pushing. This is the, 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 uh, the groups on, in Mexico the, that are bringing these individuals across, being paid to bring them across, are at the same time bringing these individuals, families across, you have the drug runners and smugglers coming in the other spots. So this is a, a very dangerous situation where we're liable to see our border uh, agents overrun. Uh, I'm going to bring back in uh, Travis Weber until we get uh, Congressman Roy back on uh, to uh, to further discuss this. Uh, Travis, uh, thanks for, for joining us again. I know it's a, it's a kind of a volatile afternoon with a lot of votes happening here at the end of the week. Um, but this issue of Title 42 uh, and the removal of this provision, how significant of a problem could this create for border agents? Yeah, I mean, Tony, I think, you know, this is, again, it, it, I think it could be quite significant. I think it's what it shows is the Biden administration's uh, manipulation of, of, of current law. You know, I, I almost say manipulation of rule of law. Which is what you get when you when you have um, political considerations that really twist uh, the framework that the United States is supposed to be operating off of, and that includes statutes passed by Congress and the executive branch implementation of those statutes, which is supposed to follow the law, follow the statute, implement it within certain boundaries that are defi- also defined in law, and not. Um, Twist okay. that beyond its normal meeting, and and this also include you know obviously leads into the administration wanting to gut or uh, alter the statutory law governing its its border policy. So, you know, Travis, I think- I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna break in here. We got uh, Congressman Roy has stepped off the House floor. They just wrapped up one series of votes, and so he's joining us now by phone. So stand by. Uh, we're now going to go to uh, Congressman Chip Roy, who's just stepped off the uh, the House floor. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony, good to be on. Sorry, a few minutes late. You're right. Just finished voting. Uh, well, we were just discussing the where things stand with Title 42. The fact that there were 164,973 encounters, migrant encounters last month. That is a dramatic increase from a year ago. And that's still with this Title 42 in place. When it's removed, what might we be looking at at the border? Yeah, so just so everybody understands, right, if you look at March, we've had about 100,000 encounters in the first half of March, of of whom about 50,000 were removed or turned away, if you will, under Title 42. The other half were released into the United States, roughly. These are rough numbers. Uh, If you extend that through March, that would be 200,000 or more, and about 100,000 turned away under Title 42. So if you get the drift, if you get rid of Title 42 – then that other 100,000 are going to be released into the United States of America. Last year, that number was close to a million that was turned away by Title 42 that would have been released into the United States. We don't know for sure because some of these are repeat folks. It is an unconscionable act by the Department or the Secretary, I should say, of Homeland Security in consultation with and with the CDC director. I think it's the CDC that technically would end Title 42, but it's the secretary who has the job to go talk to the CDC director 
and said, look, we got to be able to enforce the law. We still have mass on airplanes. We still have mandatory jabs for our military. We still have a public health emergency declared. We still have people around the world with COVID and other communicable diseases. It's absolutely outrageous that they would end this. And it just underscores their lack of resolve and seriousness and, in fact, their purposeful dereliction of duty and endangering the American people and the migrants who seek to come here. Uh, my understanding, Congressman Roy, is that there are those just south of the border waiting to be able to come across. So there's, we're, we're looking at a surge waiting for this change in federal law. Yeah, this is absolutely correct. We don't know the exact numbers of people like Todd Bensman, my friend. He's in Austin. He tracks these numbers. Uh, there are others. Uh, Bill Malugin has been reporting a lot of this for Fox. But there are there are large groups that are ready and, and looking to come across the Rio Grande. Uh, the word is getting out that Title 42 is ending, that there are virtually no limits on coming to the United States, uh, literally virtually none. We are now seeing increased Russians and Ukrainians. Uh, and, and look, there may be individuals in all of this that have some legitimate claim to asylum under our laws, but it is few and far between. The vast majority are I don't begrudge this, and neither do you, Tony, as a Christian. People who are seeking a better life, they want jobs, right. they want opportunity. But we cannot sustain a wide-open border, not just because economically, but actually importantly because of our security, because right. of what that means with respect to danger, terrorists, fentanyl, cartels, the extent to which Border Patrol is now distracted, processing literally hundreds of thousands of people. We have, we have half a million people last year who were known gotaways, known gotaways. Right. That doesn't count all the people stashed in trucks and, and uh, all of the stuff that they're doing to illicitly move across the border. Look, we, we, we're, we welcome everyone to come here, but come here legally. We've got a process. Right. We've got to work the process in, in order to assimilate people into our, our country. I want to switch gears because very quickly uh, I, I, I need to, to move on, but I, I want to talk about uh, your get your reactions rather to the decision yesterday from out of Finland regarding the Finnish parliamentarian Pavi Rosinen, who was found not guilty. Both you and I spoke out. We wrote a, a joint op-ed on this case, this Christian uh, political leader who was charged with hate speech. The court got it right in this case. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, you and I are both honored to speak for you. We are so prayerfully grateful that this was the result, right? Prayer matters. Support from people around the world matters. Uh, this is a great result for freedom of religion, freedom of speech worldwide. However, however, this should never have been in court. Right. This should never have been prosecuted. There should never be laws that even open the door to this possibility. We shouldn't be engaging in thought crimes that, that then put the Bible on trial. That's what happened here. Now, we fortunately got a good result from this court. But understand that with the Equality Act here in the United States, with the direction that this country wants to seem to go in terms of thought crimes, with the direction this country, with the World Health Organization, which is talking about abortion as a human right, the global Magnitsky uh, deal that got expanded uh, when we voted on the Russian trade bill. I got all yelled at because I was one of eight that voted no because I didn't want to empower the executive to, just, to go after anybody around the world for human rights violations, which might include. For example, standing up for life right. or standing up for uh, a marriage between a man and a woman. This is a warning shot, everybody. Right. If you're listening to this, understand that trial is a, is, is a preview of things to come. We are blessed. God bless them for standing up. God bless uh, the, the court for doing the right thing. But really importantly, God bless them for refusing to bow down. Yeah, absolutely. I, I cannot agree with you more. It is a warning of things to come, and we need to right now determine we're going to stand and defend these freedoms. Chip Roy, 
Thanks so much for joining us. Always great to talk with you. You too. God bless, my friend. Take care. Well, transitioning to yet another topic that has been in the news, uh, the issue with the the NCAA, uh, with the highly publicized dominant of uh, the transgender uh, UPenn swimmer, Leah Thomas, the issue of fairness in female sports have been, has been making waves. And more are speaking out in defense of girls and women in the face of criticism from the left. Now, earlier today, Republicans in the House sent a letter to the NCAA president, Mark Emmert, over the Title IX violations that took place during the NCAA's Division I College Swimming and Diving Championship, and more broadly, through the whole season. Joining me now to talk about this is Congressman Mary Miller. She is among those leading the charge on this. She represents the 15th Congressional District of Illinois. Congresswoman Miller, welcome back to the program. Why, thanks for having me. I also represent women and the mother of daughters. Yes, you are. Your grandmother as well. And I am. This is, this is a common sense issue. What's going on here? Well, this is a continuing attack on the American way of life and our values. They, they are pushing another thing that is wildly unpopular among Americans, and there is no way that they are stupid or uninformed. These are deliberate attacks on the American way of life. Um, this, uh, this is an attack on uh, women and girls' uh, athletic opportunities, which was the whole purpose of Title IX. Right. So, Mary, give us some details about the letter that you sent uh, to Mark Emmert. Yes. So um, it was led with uh, Congressman uh, Gohmert from Texas and myself and signed by 28 other House Republicans. And we're calling on the National Collegiate Athletic Association to bar biological men from competing in women's sports. And we in the letter, we called it a grave injustice because that's what it is. Well, and you look at what's happening across the country, state after state, mm-hmm. is they're, they're adopting laws that do just that. They prohibit biological men from competing in women's sports. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because for the past two years, they keep calling themselves the party of science. And this is, it's laughable. It's unscientific. And just today I was hearing about um, someone who is uh, – uh, a registered Democrat has two children in Maryland schools, and she is very upset because they're elementary children, and they're trying to tell the boy that he wants to be a girl and the girl that she wants to be a boy. And the mother is very upset. And when I say this is wildly unpopular, yeah. I don't mean just among Republicans and Christians, but anybody that has a brain. So, so Mary, could we be at one of those tipping points where the left has gone so far that just, you know, as you said, not the conservative per se, but just the average person out there saying, you know what, this is crazy. We're not going right. Well, I think it is an opportunity point for us. And for us as Christians, we know what's wrong is we kicked God out of everything, or we tried to, obviously, can't kick them out. Um, And, you know, we've kicked our foundation out. But the fact is that our country was founded on Judeo-Christian values, and those are the values that most Americans hold to. And I think it's a good um, 
opportunity point for Christians to point out to people that if you do away with God, you're just swimming in an abyss of bad ideas. And where is this heading? I mean, even the um, LGBTQ, elemental P thing, I mean, let's face it, I think they're heading toward, you know, they want to legalize pedophilia and other unmentionable things. It is, uh, you are absolutely right, it is the result of removing the very foundation of our country, and that is biblical truth. Mary Miller, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us. And by the way, congratulations on your award as a true blue member of Congress. (laughs) It's an honor. Thank you so much. All right. Mary Miller of Illinois. You know what? She is absolutely right. You know, as parents, and I say this all the time, we are responsible for teaching our children. In fact, you know, Moses, as the children of Israel were moving into the promised land, he told them, you've got to teach your children. When, you, uh, w- when you're sitting in the house, when you're walking in the way, when you're lying down, when you rise up, you've got to teach your children who God is, the ways of the Lord, and what we are responsible to do. And, and we've not done that. And that's what's happening. We have farmed out our children to a godless government education system. Well, folks, we're out of time for today, but I want to thank you for joining us. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, and it begins with prayer, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.